Thank you, Susan. Good morning. Everything rises and falls on leadership. That's what John Maxwell, pastor and uh, leadership guru, says. Everything rises and falls on leadership. I want you to think about uh, some of the successes and the pleasures that the pleasures that you've had in your own life, and how many of those things uh, you look and and you think. There was good leader there was good decisions and good leadership choices were made that led to some of those successes either leaders that were in my life or my own leadership decisions. And then you think of some of the failures and the difficulties and the frustrations that you've uh, faced and how many of those have been tied to poor leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. You know how uh, last week we watched the Rams win the Super Bowl, right? Was that not fun? That was a good time. See the LA Rams win the Super Bowl. And, uh, and, that, and that was a lot of fun. And, and after the game, I heard so many commentators say it's because they have a good general manager and a good head coach and good team captains. And so much of it was given credit to uh, the leadership that was on the team for their success. And there is leadership all over our lives that makes a big difference at your work, the government uh, that makes uh, laws and decisions for us, uh, in, uh, in your community, uh, in this church, even within your family. In fact, the most important leaders in our lives have, been, have perhaps been our parents. If we had good, if our parents led us well when we were in our formative years, it gave us a great advantage. If we had, if our parents didn't lead us well, we were faced with obstacles to overcome. And if you're a parent, uh, you have a great opportunity to lead your ch- uh, children well. Uh, leadership is so valuable. And so this morning we're going to look at the, uh, w- at the scriptures because there are some leadership principles that can, God can give us from, our, uh, from His Word. We've been going through the book of Philippians, and today we're in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. And this passage is written by one of the greatest leaders in the early church, perhaps in the history of the world, the Apostle Paul. Think of the impact that he had on this world. He started uh, these churches that have now grown to be, uh, become one of the uh, to be the uh, largest religion in the world, Christianity. Uh, he wrote letters to churches that we're reading today, 2,000 years later. Like the Apostle Paul was a good leader. We have a lot to learn from him. And he writes to the Philippians about two other leaders, about Timothy and Epaphroditus. And, uh, and we're going to pick out some leadership principles here. But, but we know as Christians... When we think everything rises and falls, we know that God is really behind it all. But God has given us a world in which he has given us institutions and governments and families and churches. Leadership is important to God. And so we want to be good leaders and we want to follow good leaders. And today we're going to discuss how we treat the leaders that God has placed over us and we're going to talk about how we ourselves are good leaders. Now, some of you might not think of yourself as a leader. 
You may think, ah, I'm more of a follower. I, uh, I'll just kind of get in line, let somebody, other, somebody else take the leadership roles. Well, let me quote John Maxwell again. He's, he defines leadership this way. Leadership is influence. If you've got influence in, among your friends, in your family, in your community, at your work, whatever that be, uh, you are a leader in that sense. And so how you lead and how you treat the leaders that God has put into your life is important. This, this message, I think, has great relevance for all of us. It's, it's relevant and it's important because leadership matters in our world and it matters to the Lord. So we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. So, so uh, you know, we're still screenless, which is maybe a blessing. Here's what, here's what I've thought about. You know, I thought, man, it's taking forever to get this dumb screen fix. Uh, we're used to looking at the words of the Scripture on the, on the board, right? And, uh, and in a sense, we don't got that, that to rely on. It's caused us to have to open our Bibles, which isn't a bad thing, right? In fact, when I was growing up, everybody brought their Bible to church. And now you may think, oh, I'm bringing my Bible because my Bible's on my phone. And you're bringing your phone, right? <laughs> Here's my challenge for us. I've thought about this. I've prayed about this. I think God's challenging us to make sure we start bringing our Bibles to church again. And, uh, and so if your Bible's on your phone and that's your Bible, hey, that's fine. I'm not criticizing that. That's, that's great. I still think there's something valuable in a paper Bible because you mark it up. You can see it in front of you. And so let's, op- let's all open our Bibles. Right now there should be, if you don't have your Bible, you can, there's one in the chair in front of you. But let's open our Bibles. We're reading Philippians 2, 19 through 30. If you don't have, uh, know where Philippians at, that's all right. There's a table of contents in the front of the Bible. And uh, I'll give you a minute. We're going to read uh, Philippians 2, uh, 19 through 30. I think I said 20 a second ago. I meant to say 30. Philippians 2, 19 through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon." But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that, you, so that when you see him again, you will be glad, and I will have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. 
He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we've read this scripture, we now ask that you would come and explain it to us, that you would help us to understand what your word is for us today, to understand it not in, only in our minds, but in our hearts, that we might live it out. So God, give us love for you as we look at your word, draw us to yourself. Thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you want what is best for us. And so right now, as we open up the word, we just submit ourselves to you and ask that you would speak to us, convict us, encourage us, whatever you would have for us today, God. We offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, there's three uh, leaders that are in this passage. Each one is going to give us one leadership principle. So we're going to ask, what does Paul teach us? What does Timothy teach us? What does Epaphroditus teach us? And I really believe that each of these leadership principles, as I said, is valuable and relevant. But I'll admit on the front end, each of these is hard. It's challenging. So I just uh, say that to you because I hope you feel a challenge as we go through this. Ask yourself, how am I doing in, the, in this area? And, uh, and how might I be able to apply God's word to my life more? First of all, Paul. What do we learn about Paul? Well, we've already acknowledged Paul's leadership greatness. But what we see here in this passage, more than anything, is his leadership limitations. You see, he's, he says, I have physical limitations. He says he wants to come and visit him, but he can't. Why? Because he's in prison. And so no matter what the reason, he, he can't uh, do, he has physical limitations. He has emotional limitations. He says he wants to send Timothy so that, verse 19, I may be cheered when I receive news about you. He's down. Uh, he's been discouraged. It says in verse 28 that he has anxiety. He's all the more eager to send Epaphroditus so that, uh, so that when you see him, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. And then he has intellectual limita uh, limitations in the fact that he says, I hope to visit you soon, verse 24, but I don't know when that's going to happen. But the greatest limitation, because we all have those limitations, we have physical limitations, we have emotional limitations, we have intellectual limitations. We're just like Paul in this regard. But the greatest limitation that we all have is the fact that we are all sinners. You know, our sinfulness affects our leadership because, we, because our pride, our selfishness, our tendency to want to people please, uh, to, uh, we have a tendency to get angry. All of these things limit us uh, in, in our leadership. You know, my title here at the church is Lead Pastor, right? So leadership, obviously, is important. But I just want to let you know that your lead pastor is a sinner. Like, you're pastored by a sinner. Surprise, surprise, right? But that is important for us to know because we have to recognize our uh, own sinfulness, our own limitations, so that one will be quick to forgive others, but two, uh, that we will recognize that we can't do it all. It gives us the ability to not only be quick to forgive others, but quick to empower others and quick to rely upon the Lord. 
The first words in today's passage are, I hope in the Lord Jesus. I hope in the Lord Jesus. In fact, that should be our leadership mantra. I hope in the Lord Jesus. Leadership principle number one. I'm going to give us three principles today. In fact, I encourage you maybe just write these down and think about them every once in a while. Think about them this week. Leadership principle number one is we ultimately trust in the Lord and not a leader because leaders are human and therefore limited and sinful. We ultimately trust in the Lord and not a leader because leaders are human and therefore limited and sinful. You know, with all the things going on in the world, we grow so frustrated with our leaders. We, uh, we recognize that they, they make decisions that we don't like. They, uh, they lead in ways in which they do things that are not right, and, and at times they may lead even out of their own sinful desires. And that's why we have to remember that we can't expect that. Uh, we can't expect perfection from our leaders. We ultimately trust in the Lord. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in the horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And we might be able to say, Some trust in politicians and governments, some trust in schools and teachers. Uh, Some trust in community and programs, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's principle, a leadership principle number one. We ultimately trust in the Lord and not a leader because our leaders are human and therefore limited and sinful. Leadership principle number two comes from Timothy. Timothy, it says, about Timothy, Paul says in verses 20 and 21, I have no one else like him who takes genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. What a description, right? What if our own leaders were to lead in that way? They look out, they have a genuine interest in uh, the welfare of those that are under their leadership, uh, leadership purview those that are in their care. What if we had leaders that genuinely sought out the interests of Jesus Christ before their own interest? Like this example of Timothy, his selflessness, his servant-heartedness is so valuable when we think about the leadership in our own lives. You know, when we uh, offer ourselves to be used by the Lord, our prayer is, God, I am your servant Uh, do with me what you want to do. May may you help me to do what you want me to do. You know, that's the best prayer I can think of if I am to try to lead this church or lead my family or any of us were to lead in whatever realm God has uh, given us to lead in, at your work, in your community, in this church. God, help me to do what you want me to do. Give me wisdom. Help me to know how to interact with this difficult person. How do you want me to handle, what do you want me to do in this situation that I'm facing, in this this decision that I'm facing? We ultimately want to do what God wants us to do. We put the interests of Jesus Christ before our own interests. That's how we are to lead. If we are to be good leaders in God's kingdom, it means that we lead with selflessness that we consider the, uh, the needs of others before ourselves. It means that we uh, lead with a servant-heartedness. It's a beautiful description. 
that God gives us of, uh, that Paul gives us of Timothy. But man, that's a beautiful description for any of us that would lead in the way that God would want us to lead. We lead with selflessness, with servant-heartedness. So this is the example that Timothy gives us. It leads us to leadership principle number two. We are to lead as selfless servants who consider the needs of others and of the Lord before our own. Moms lead in that way, right? (laughs) You almost just, when you become a mom, you become a selfless servant leader, right? Moms are very good at putting the desires of their kids before themselves. And uh, that's just kind of what you sign up for when you uh, become a mom, is all of a sudden you don't get to sleep in in the morning, and all of a sudden the only time you get alone during the day for your own desires is when you got to go to the bathroom or take a shower, right? <laughs> like being a mom, you just basically say, I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm signing up to be a selfless servant for the next decade or two. Uh, but the reason that comes naturally for moms is simply because they love their kids so much. Like I remember holding our, our children when they first came out of the womb, and all of a sudden you're like, I'll do anything for this little kid. Uh, I just want, I love them so much. That's what comes naturally for moms and hopefully for dads as well, but for all other areas of leadership in our lives, that is not the natural inclination. And so this idea of selflessness and servant-heartedness, we've got to be intentional about. How can, we, how can we be intentional to consider the needs of others before ourselves, to serve the interests of the Lord before our own interests? And so what would that look like for you to serve others with selflessness at your workplace? I can't answer that question for you, but you think about that at your own workplace. What would it mean for you to serve your coworkers and your boss or whoever it is with selflessness? What would it mean for you to serve as a, a, uh, with others with selflessness among your friends, in your community, in the church? You know, every once in a while I'll see someone who's doing one of those tasks that nobody else wants to do in the church. And, uh, and I just of, oftentimes think, man, that pleases the Lord so much. God wants us to be selfless, servant-hearted leaders who put the desires and the needs of others before ourselves. This is leadership principle number two. We lead as selfless servants who consider the needs of others and of the Lord before our own. This is the way that God has created the world. I'm amazed that that, uh, you look at uh, business leadership gurus, they talk about servant leadership today. Like the business world has picked up on this. Why? Because it works. And why does it work? Because this is the way that God has created the world. And God has created the world to, uh, for us to lead, if we are to lead well, to lead with selflessness and with service. And he sent his son, Jesus, to be our example. Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if we are Christians who are seeking to imitate Jesus then this is the leadership principle for us. We lead as selfless servants who consider the needs of others and of the Lord before our own. That's Paul, and that's uh, Timothy. Now the third one is Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is, of all, the, all three people, this is for sure the person we know the least amount from the Bible. In fact, the only place he's mentioned in Scripture is in the book of Philippians, here in chapter 2, and then one verse 
later on in, in chapter 4, verse 18. And uh, so everything we can learn about Epaphroditus is right here. Uh, in verse 25 of, the, of chapter 2, it, uh, Paul describes Epaphroditus using four adjectives um, or four uh, analogies, I, I suppose we could say. He says that he is a brother, he is a co-worker, he is a fellow soldier, and he is a messenger. And the idea of messenger is explained a little bit further in chapter 4, verse 18, when it says, when the Philippians wanted to uh, deliver a gift to Paul, uh, a gift of money, they sent Epaphroditus who delivered the gift and a message. So this is Epaphroditus. Now, the other thing that stands out about him from this passage is that he almost died. It says he became ill and he almost died. It says at the end of the, towards the end of this uh, the passage that he risked his life uh, for the work of, the, of, of Christ. And so he almost died, and Paul said God was merciful and saved even him personal sorrow upon sorrow by sparing his life. Now Paul is sending Epaphroditus to the Philippians, and he says in verse 29, Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him. This is the part I want to emphasize right now when we think about leadership. Even though our leaders are human and flawed and sinful, just like Epaphroditus was as well, we are given the charge by God to honor and encourage the leaders that God has placed into our lives. Now, I highlight that as a leadership principle because uh, even though it makes sense to us uh, intellectually, we don't see this very often in our world today. Our natural tendency is not to honor and encourage our leaders. Our natural tendency is to criticize and tear down our leaders. Like, uh, it's almost second nature that we just criticize the boss, whoever that is in our lives. Like, if you don't criticize your boss and you speak well of him behind his, his or her back, like, you're going to be seen as weird. Like, it's almost second nature. We We've got whole TV shows. That the basic premise of the TV show is to tear down our political leaders. That's basically why the show exists. Like this idea of honoring and encouraging our leaders is so countercultural that I want to challenge us to think how could we as Christians live different than the world? In fact, we were challenged last week in, in, uh, in, earlier in the chapter in verse uh, 15 to shine like stars in the universe this is one way we could shine like stars in the universe we could stand out and look different we could honor and encourage the leaders that god has placed in our life that's leadership principle number three we honor and encourage the leaders that god has placed in our lives as some of you know, uh, I asked for prayer that uh, Pastor Darren and Pastor Yasu and Stephen and I went up north a, a week ago to Pastor's Conference, and, uh, and it was a great Pastor's Conference, and it ended on Thursday, and so uh, we had had the bright idea. In fact, this was Dawson's idea. He, his favorite team is the Warriors, and they were playing, a, the, the conference was in San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco, and the Warriors had a home game that night. He said, I want to come up and go to the Warriors game. I said, okay, this is your birthday present, because it's not going to be a cheap present, and, uh, but if that's what you want to do, we'll make it happen. Well, 
things evolve, you know, it gets going as you can imagine. And pretty soon, it's not just Dawson coming up, but Chelsea and both Dawson and Kinsey are coming up to, we're going to spend not only a night, but we're going to spend a couple days in San Francisco. And so we had all these plans. They'll fly out late morning on the uh, late morning Thursday and meet us in the afternoon. And I had, uh, was able to get courtside seats, uh, just not for the whole game, but for the warm-ups. And uh, we were going to sit there and we we're going to watch Steph Curry do his whole warm-up. And uh, Clay Thompson and all the guys, it's going to be a blast. So uh, Thursday comes and uh, Chelsea gets, checks, checks the luggage, gets the car into overnight parking, goes through security, all of that, sits at the gate and they say, uh, due to high winds, the, the flight's delayed. Okay, well, it's not, uh, we're, we're, we're going to be all right. We've got, we got a little window here. Comes on the loudspeaker again, flight's delayed. A third time, flight's delayed. It's, the flight was supposed to leave a while ago, and, the, and they finally get on the intercom and say, flight canceled. Oh, no. This is like Dawson's dream. He wants to go to this game. So uh, Chelsea runs, tries to get his, uh, in the line as quickly as she can to get rerouted. You only got a short window here. And uh, she, she gets up to the counter and says, uh, okay, we, we really want to leave this afternoon because we, we want to get up to San Francisco. I'm sorry, there's no more flights leaving out of Ontario. You can go tomorrow. No, that's not going to work. Uh, they check Santa Ana. Uh, they check uh, John Wayne. They check LAX. Nothing's working. There's no flights that'll get us there in time for the, get them uh, there in time for the game. So Chelsea's on her phone. She finds a flight herself. They don't even bring this up. She finds a flight out of LAX that leaves in an hour and a half. And she brings it up to him. Can we fly out of LAX? She's saying, you can try, but you, got, you only got an hour and a half to get your baggage, to get in your car, to drive all the way to LAX, park the car again in overnight storage, check baggage, go through security, uh, get to the gate. All that to say she's got a very short window. I'm in San Francisco praying. God help Chelsea somehow to be able to do this. And sure enough, they catch the flight. And uh, <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. That was awesome. And, uh, and I thought, there's no way I could have done that. <laughs> there is no way. And so we were all, after, after everything's said and done, we're sitting around eating uh, dinner. And uh, I said, uh, Dawson, Kinsey, and uh, you guys, and, and I, we're going to go around the, the table and we're going to say three things that we love about mommy, right? <laughs> Like, I was just so in awe. How could you do that? That, that is quite amazing. And so we went all around, and, and Kinsey says, I'm thankful for Mommy because she's more patient than Daddy is. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Dawson says, I'm thankful for Mommy because she knows how to use technology. Uh, and all of these things. And uh, it all, we all got, when it was all said and done, I just said, Chelsea, you are a superhero. Like, that is amazing. And that was the way that we were able to honor and encourage Chelsea as the mom in our family. Honor and encouragement is so valuable. God wants us to lift others, uh, lift up the leaders in our lives. 
In fact, I think it hurts, uh, I think it displeases him when he has placed people in important positions and our, and our only reaction to them is to look for every fault and to be overly critical and to tear down any opportunity we get to talk bad behind our boss's back, to look for any ways that we can uh, criticize when his desire is for us to honor and encourage. Now, I'm not saying there's not room for accountability and, and constructive criticism, but I think uh, God is challenging us to say, where can I look for opportunities to honor and encourage? Last week, I came forward and prayed with one of the prayer counselors, and uh, she laid her hand on uh, my shoulder and was praying for me just in my own, in just the leadership things in my own life at the church, uh, in my home, and uh, just such an honoring and encouraging prayer. Like, I got goosebumps as she's praying. One of those prayers that, you know, you get a tingle that runs up and down your spine. We as leaders need that. All of us, in whatever uh, leadership capacity we have, we need, uh, we are better leaders when uh, others come alongside of us and they honor us and encourage us. And so my challenge for us is, how could you be that person for others in your life? How could you honor and encourage the leaders around you, in your family, at your work, in the church, in your community? How could you honor and uh, encourage the leaders that God has placed in your life? A word of affirmation, a gift, a note, an email, not saying something bad behind their back, going above and beyond to help them, praying for them. I'll pause on that last one. How are you doing in praying for the leaders that God has brought into your life? Paul wrote to Timothy, one of the people that we've mentioned this morning, in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, he says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority. Now, Paul doesn't just say pray for the kings and those in authority that you like, that you think are doing a good job. Believe me, the kings and those in authority in the Roman uh, world that Paul's talking about are not good guys. And yet Paul says pray for them and give thanks for them. And so how are you doing? And I'll admit, as I said, every one of these leadership principles to me is a challenging one. And I'll admit, this is a challenging one. There are certain leaders that are so frustrating that you're like, you don't want to pray for them. You want to pray against them. Uh, but God says, pray for them. And if we struggle with that, because I think we do, then that's a heart issue. That's a sin issue that we need to get, uh, that God needs to deal with us and what's going on within us. Because God has called us to honor and encourage the leaders that are in our lives. We, we typically grumble, complain, and cultivate dishonor and discouragement. God wants the opposite. Leadership principle number three is we are to honor and encourage the leaders that God has placed in our lives. So now let me just read through these three again. And as I do, you just ask the Lord, God, what are you calling me to? How am I to improve in the area that 
in the areas of leadership with how I interact with leaders in my life and, and, and leadership myself. And you just put these before the Lord. Principle number one was we ultimately trust the Lord and not a leader because our leaders are human and therefore limited and sinful. How are you doing in trusting the Lord and not a leader? Number two, we lead as selfless servants who consider the needs of others and of the Lord before our own. How are you doing in terms of leading as a selfless servant, considering the needs of and the desires of and the interests of others and of the Lord before your own interests? And then number three, we honor and encourage the leaders that God has placed in our lives. How are you doing in that area? Honoring and encouraging the leaders that God has placed in our lives. You, you see, if we do these three things, God will add something positive to our society and help advance God's kingdom in the process, and we will please the Lord. This pleases the Lord. Now, as I said, all three of these things are really challenges. I feel that. These are challenges. And so I want to end on a high note by going back to the first words of this passage, which we, said, uh, which we read are, uh, I hope in the Lord Jesus. This is where I want to end us today, by just uh, thinking about how that phrase itself applies to us in this whole discussion. I hope in the Lord Jesus. I hope in the Lord Jesus. We hope in the Lord Jesus. As leaders, we don't have much uh, ground to stand on except on the grace of God. Our hope is not that we will always get it right, but rather that God will use us and help us and sanctify us in the process. You see, we hope in the Lord Jesus. And as leaders, we will be tempted to compromise. But God never will be. He's going to be true to who He is, no matter what. We hope in the Lord Jesus. And in the face of difficulty, we as leaders oftentimes give way to fear. Fear of what will happen, fear of what others will think, but God has no fear, and so we hope in the Lord Jesus. And we as leaders may become confused at times, not thinking, things, uh, not thinking and seeing things clearly and accurately, and so we make bad decisions, and we overreact to some things, and we underreact to other things, but God's view and His actions are always perfect, and so we hope in the Lord Jesus. And as leaders, we commit to do our best in whatever spheres of influence God has given us. But ultimately, we do not rely on ourselves. We hope in the Lord Jesus. We hope in the Lord Jesus. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? That Jesus is our Lord. That's what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean that Jesus is your Lord? He's the leader of your life. Jesus is the head of our church. We hope not in any person, though God entrusts leadership to all of us, but ultimately we hope in the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the Lord of our lives. God, uh, we come before you humbly and we recognize 
that you have given us leadership responsibilities, and sometimes, man, we've thrived. But there have been other times where we have failed miserably. We thank you for Jesus and his forgiveness. We thank you that he works through us even though we are limited and sinful. God, we thank you that you desire to help us and to guide us along the way. That when we come before you and we say, God, we're just your servants. Help me to know what to do. Help me to know how to uh, treat this person, help this person, love this person, how to handle this decision. We thank you that we have the assurance that you are our helper and that you'll come alongside of us. God, we hope in the Lord Jesus and we thank you for him. God, we thank you for the leaders that you have placed in our lives. Flawed and sinful though they may be, we thank you that you have brought them into our lives and we pray that you would help them and strengthen them and encourage them. And God, uh, we pray that whether we seek to honor and encourage those leaders or we're seeking to be a leader ourselves, God, we pray that you would come and you would just minister to us and strengthen us to be the men and the women of God that you want us to be. And so, God, we thank you for today, that we've been able to be challenged by your word, and we pray that you would now help us to apply it to our lives, to carry it out, that we might make a difference in our dark and sinful world that is all around us. God, I thank you for each person that's here, and we recognize that each person that comes into this room has different things on their hearts that they're going through. Pray that you would touch them in a special way right now. Let them, to know, let them know that you are with them and that you love them and that the only thing that you ask of them is that they come and that they offer their lives to you. We pray that you would help them now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward and uh, the prayer counselors. Uh, we have prayer counselors here because we know that uh, sometimes we just need a word of prayer, someone to come and to to pray a prayer over you. And you might not even know why you're coming for prayer. Uh, but God is just laying it on your hearts to say, hey, and that was me last week. To be honest, I just came, came forward and I said, hey, um, may you uh, come and, and bless me and, uh, and uh, use me today. And so we have prayer counselors that are coming for. I'm going to ask Pastor Darren, could you step up here uh, too? Because we just need one more. And uh, we're one short. And, uh, and then uh, as we sing this last song, if you want to come and receive prayer, if you want after the service, they'll stay forward. They'll stay here and uh, we'll pray together. But God is good. And he's our leader and he is worthy to be praised. Let's stand as we sing this final song together.